today, I was thinking we could probably go over. There's like lots of little things that we talk to our clients about in the gym. Um, and then there's like some things that are just like foundational. I think maybe me and you can go in on nutrition at some point, but um, just foundational in terms of um, exercise and how we're going about uh, programming it. Um, but when somebody's first, maybe not first coming into the gym, but if somebody were to come in with a specific goal, what are some of the things that we are looking at when we're prioritizing certain movements over other movements? So it's like, we've got things that are like, oh, we've got our counterbalance squat. That's like, that might not be the best thing for building up somebody's legs. Um, How are you um, deciding what you want to do for rep ranges? How are you deciding how you want to pick certain movements? How are you deciding how many sets to do? Um, Those sorts of things, kind of foundational ground setting, maybe tempos even, um, intense with exercise. How are you doing that with your clients? And um, how would that be different from client to client? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go first? Go first. Yeah. So uh, I guess it, I mean, obviously when we do the assessment, we'll, we'll figure out a bit more of that, of that person. Typically, like I'll, I'll get more into the details of what they're looking for in a training program as we go through certain movements of the assessment, which kind of be, can be eye opening for them. And we'll just dig a little bit deeper when um or done there hasn't been too many people like top of my head in the last three months more people have come to me for like just movement optimization or they're not necessarily trying to um add on a lot of tissue so like right at the gate like they're still looking to move as well as possible so like you mentioned counterbalance and that's something that we work on if that's what we need to go through out of the gate um but I try to think about like, all right, where does this person break down uh, in terms of form uh, the quickest? And then how cognitively demanding is that movement for them? Do I need to then put that movement first? So by cognitively demanding, you mean? Means how much do they have to think about in order to get into the position that I want them to be in? Mm-hmm. So if for some reason, like they're trying to get weight in their heels because of center mass is going back during a squat, it's like, all right. How long does it take him to get there? Do I find myself as a coach force feeding an exercise at some point? Like I'm over cueing them. Yeah. If I do, I need to dial back. Yeah. Give them something that's just keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. And then, you know, towards you know, the end of their their session, you know, I give them things that are less cognitively demanding so that they can just get out more volume and they just have less to think about because by that time they're fatigued. They've had a lot to think about in the last 60 minutes. And that's kind of where Within a nutshell, where I like to think about um, beginning with a client that's first started working right. with me. Yeah. Just to clarify, when he says uh, cognitively demanding is like, because when you think about something harder, you think about it, something a lot, it does cost some extra energy as well. So we, when we uh, prescribe exercise, we, we try to keep that in mind uh, based on the skill level of uh, each client. Just even the attention and focus that it takes to keep one thing going. So it's like, if you're constantly like, oh, like put your shoulder down, oh, move your elbow in, oh, yeah, adjust your rib cage. If that all of these things are happening at the same time, maybe not the right move no. for them. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're trying to do all of that is like, oh, <laughs> they're like, they're literally trying. So it's draining them of energy yeah. Yeah. because it's requiring so much mental focus. Yes. That's actually going to tank the rest of the workout. So if you mm-hmm. picked one 
Like, let's say you thought it was the right exercise because you coached the hell out of it. And they're fucking sitting there just, yeah, yeah. It's like you're like in a Dragon Ball Z fight. Yeah. And uh, so like if they go through all of that and now they're like, I'm gassed. And you're like, you know what? Now let's die on the leg press. And you're like, no. Because you don't, you really don't, even, even though it might require less mental energy to do the leg press, it's still way harder to do because you tapped yourself out cognitively because something that maybe was too high skill. Because, like, really how good did they do if they really had to think about it that super intently? And I'm not saying exercises will will require no effort, yeah, no mental focus, but it shouldn't take that much where it's, like, tapping you out for the rest of the session. Yes. A good example is, like, the split squat where I'll set somebody up and sometimes I'll see the assessment, and yeah, I'll give them a few cues of, okay, imagine like a, a stationary lunge, you are lined up, your weight's, you know, a little more than half forward in the forward leg. But like, they kind of have this, imagine this is like my front and back knee, like they're kind of turned out with a back knee. Yep. This right hip is shifting out this way, which is just excessively leaned. They don't really quite know how to control their pelvis and shift it to the side and then again pulling that back leg in so like how quickly can i feed them back to the position that i want and we don't know because this is an assessment if that the gate works pretty well then cool and sometimes over a few sessions like they'll forget and yeah. they'll have to get back into it but um i find that probably one of the most common exercises during the assessment i i see like okay how where they live in this position how fast can i get them out of the position to where i need them to be and then can they remember it yeah, and even seeing, like, in their passive screening, you likely might be able to screen, like, okay, the reason they're not able to get in that position. Like, so, yeah. if you find yourself overcoaching something that we looked at in the passive screen, so yeah. passive screen is, like, if we got you on the table and we're like, okay, how well does your hip move into internal rotation? Oh, looks like shit. When we put you in the split squat, we're not going to be like, oh, that's fixed now. Mm -hmm. It's like it probably will look like shit on the split squat, too. Right. Exactly. So it then, then it's like, some people might have done that screen. They're like, oh, it's not there. And then they move them to the split squat and they're trying to coach them up on the split squat. And it's like, dude, you had no chance. Yeah. Because if you are, if you are failing, failing, yeah. if you're not able to get into that position passively, you certainly won't be able to get into it actively. So if we have you on the table and we aren't moving your limbs versus we, so you have an external force on your body to move it into that position and it can't get there. Then when we, get you on the floor and you have to move your own body that's not going to happen yeah so i would also say that um like when i'm going through program like building up a program for somebody and what we'll discern where we would go in different directions so like let's say somebody did come in with the ambition to improve their amount of lean mass they wanted to build some muscle if i'm going through their screen and we're seeing that there are passive restrictions um, that wouldn't allow them to get into certain end ranges or they have an ability to control the scaps in certain ranges, that doesn't mean they can't grow. That yeah. just means that that there's likely going to be a higher yield or a higher return on opening up those ranges, especially if it's somebody who had already been training. So if we have somebody with an intermediate training age and we see like, oh, they, they're, de they're developing their lats, but really not in this overhead position. Yeah. So like they're not getting more of that you know vertical maybe potential yeah vertical fibers of the lat it's like well if that's the area that we're looking to grow and it's really not growing then 
for that person, it's like, how do we open up that range? How do we build up um, more mobility? How do we build more stability in that shoulder joint? And then, um, then loading that versus somebody who's like, maybe they're super gangly and they're like Gumby. Yeah. And it's like getting that person to like, it's like trying to tack jello to a wall. Like, how do I get this person to put tension on it? And it's like, okay, now I'm focusing more on tempos or the amount of time spent in that one position so that they can gain skill in those positions. Yeah. But, um, so like that's, that would be like one way I would take a look at, okay, here's how I would go about building somebody's program is first from a movement selection standpoint, where are they on this passive and active screen? Like how much range of motion or control or stability do they have? which is ultimately going to dictate how much tension you're going to be able to put on muscles. Like you're not going to be able to grow something that you can't put tension on. Like if you can't put tension on it, it's not going to grow. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people think that they're putting tension onto something that they're not. So even by force feeding a movement that would put them in the overhead, Mm -hmm. right? So if somebody doesn't have that active um, range of motion to control their shoulder. Flexion. Yep. Yep. Into the overhead position they're not going to be able to put tension on their lat in that position. Yeah. It's going to move off into their upper back, into their teres, into their rear delts, yeah. traps even, um, and biceps. Yeah. And, and sure, you're getting some extension moment from the shoulder, but it's like you might have only got it to contribute so far. And it's like if we really want to get to being able to keep tension on that, we need to be able to actively control that range of motion. So like, that's where I'm looking at it first. Yeah. And that person too, like, Yes, they're in that overhead position. However, you got them there, they might not even necessarily be there as high as you think because they could yeah, just yeah. be flaring with the ribs. Yep, not really moving that much of the scapula. Um, we talked about somebody yesterday. We thought was a good example where they they really just can't move well at all. So during their assessment after their passive, like I might gonna look at your split squat. Yeah, because they're just until we get into um, higher ranges for you in terms of uh, bigger range of motion. And you can increase your output, and also, of course, talk about that threshold of pain. Yeah, there's just it's it's not going to be the best place to start. Yep. And um, yeah, I mean that's just for individual. Uh, yeah, for sure. The um main the main things that we're kind of looking at there is like when we're going through our assessments, and this is not like okay, you can never do this exercise. When we're looking at our assessments, it's like depending on how we perform during these exercises, it gives us a larger, either a larger or more compressed range on which to focus. So it's like, once we have more range and more options, then it's like, cool, we can do all this stuff. Now we can try to attempt to get into similar positions with more restricted range, but you just have a limited selection of the amount of total options. So it's like maybe total exercises is like 50 that I'm really going to like focus on with most people. It's like, well, if we can't get into a bulk of those ranges, then it maybe it's like down to like, okay, we're looking at like 15 Hmm. for any one individual. And it's like, and it's not like I'm trying to say like, I think Max, you brought this up. Some dude was like most 70, was it 70% of people over the age of 30 or what? I can't remember. They said 95% of people over the age of 30 will never sprint again. Right. So, um, and I, this is not like a actual statistic It's just a number that this guy's throwing out. And it's like, I don't think that it's that they can never sprint again. I don't think most people will try to develop the quality so that they can sprint well and not tear a fucking hamstring. Right. Mm. 
So it's like, are, are most people going to go through the steps necessary to improve their internal hip rotation, um, maintain appropriate uh, lumbo-pelvic position so that they can sprint without putting their pelvis into um, excessive flexion or anterior pelvic tilt so that then when they go to heel strike that they're not getting an overly lengthened hamstring that then results in yeah, misapplied I, force to the hamstrings. I can't think of a single person that I've worked with that has ever come to me to want to sprint yeah. faster. Most so, people don't really want to Yeah, over 30. I've had somebody come to me and say that the apocalypse ever happened, they want to be able to jump over a fence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some people like want to run marathons and stuff like that. And like yeah. the force applied there is going to be far less than in a sprint. Yeah. Yeah. But like how many people are going to actually train to want to do that? Yeah. And it, how important is it to them? Right. So like, I think that's, that's another um, thing that I'm looking at when I'm building a program is like, what's important to this person? Because yeah. it's like, I can do all the things that I, as a coach, think would be a yeah. movement optimization. That's that's how that's how I uh, in the beginning when I first started. That's how I was. That's how I I, I was there. That's the, my train of thoughts. You're training them to make yourself yes. proud. Yes. Yeah. You want to you want them to do a certain movement. Yeah. Right. But then, as you get as you go, keep doing it, keep doing it, and as you like. Oh, so you have to prioritize their goal, right? So now, when I, um, when some client comes to me with a specific goal in mind, like, oh, I want to grow my my, you know, my chest or my biceps. Now I have to tailor the program to that. Well, also keep their skill level, their their training age in mind. Well, prioritize their goal, but also I can squeeze in a little bit of some of the. Um, a movement that's needed, you know, sprinkles yeah. some in to move them in, to the, move them in the right direction yeah. as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's giving them. It's give. Uh, so, I would also say like a bulk of like a bulk of the training experience is like some person you might be training and they might want to grow their glutes or something like that, right? So every exercise that you do involving legs, they might think I need to feel my glutes. Yeah, and it's like okay, discerning between okay, so. We are going to train your glutes. Lots of our exercises will involve glutes. Mm-hmm. This one, I want to focus on this because it will better help us access the glutes because we want to give you better uh, awareness of what's happening at your pelvis and your core so that then down the road, we can build bigger glutes. Because right yeah. now you only have, again, like when we were talking about access to all this range of all these different exercises, if somebody's kind of limited in their ability to execute or perform different exercises, it's like, well, we only have this many exercises to grow your glutes and we only have this much access to tissue. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, if I want to expand this, we need to expand that skill set. Yeah. So can you get an example of like the glute scenario and just. So like if somebody like had poor hip internal rotation, their ability to apply force in through the ground utilizing the glute yeah. is going to be limited. Right. So um, if it's like they do better in um, if they do better with more. Uh, hip flexion, um, they they might not get a full they might not get a fully lengthened glute or they might not get a f- um, fully shortened glute. So like fully shortened, probably being more likely, being that they're not likely to get into that in- end range. So like even when they get to a hip thrust, they're trying to get into full hip extension yeah. 
which is when the leg is going the furthest back. So you know when like they're they're humping the bar at the top? Yep. Mm. That is where you would be most short. Now, most people, because they don't have the internal rotation necessary yeah. to apply force into the ground, they stay in an anterior tilt at yeah. the top, mm. and they can't really tuck that pelvis. Yeah. So it's like, even though that might be a great first option because it's like, okay, look at all these points of contact. I know I can feel mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to be doing, tucking into this bar. But if we don't have access to that position, you're going to have a harder time getting there. Yeah. Um, so at least from at least controlling the pelvis in that situation. Now, now if somebody doesn't have an active restriction there, it might just be that's a great exercise for them to train that position. Yeah. And then moving to other exercises, um, like ones that would be higher skill and would require just amount or even greater amounts of hip internal rotation, um, like getting into a deep squat is going to require tremendous amounts of hip internal rotation to get there. You're not going to be able to get there if you don't have that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I want to improve your ability to get into that position first before just like giving you that that exercise. Because like if we force fed the barbell back squat, somebody dumps into anterior pelvic tilt, it forces you into hip internal rotation early. And then when you try to get to the bottom, you can't even get fully lengthened glutes because you're like your your pelvis just kind of like stop yeah and then it'll dump back and now you're getting external rotation but like you're also getting a tremendous amount of flexion from your spine you're not getting more length on your glute right and you're going lower so like people look at exercises as point a point b Mm -hmm. instead of like what's happening from joint to joint yeah all the way through a movement kind of like we have to kind of feed the action of that muscle first before we can action action of the muscle yeah what did i say i'm saying action action sorry what is well, was it like, yeah, we, we kind of look at like the action of the muscle first to make sure that it can do its job well. And then action is like what the muscle does from point A to point B. Yeah. Right. And then we feed that into the function of whatever it is we're trying and to do. And function is what it is supposed to do. Right. And that skill could be whatever squat variation, for example. Right? When we're talking about skill, it's like the your ability to execute or your ability to perform the exercise well. Yeah. And so like it like a lot of people don't recognize that it is actually a skill. Like if I picked up a basketball and I shot it, it would be terrible. Like throw it right yeah. at the backboard. Right? But it's like it takes skill. It's not because I lack the strength to put the ball into the hoop. It's right. because I am not coordinating and sequencing that movement in a way that results in a 90% free throw rating, right? Like it's like it's nowhere it's nowhere near that. So like when we say building skill, what we mean is actually being able to get the the tension on the tissue that we're intending to get it on. Yes. And executing it in a way that's not going to like have you relying heavily on your structure. Yeah. But I think having some understanding of like, this is why form and technique is important. This is why understanding like where you might be tight and where you might want to go about being assessed would help improve your exercise selection. I get that via a podcast, it's going to be kind of hard to actually discern what you, what exactly you should be doing. And we're not going to tell you how to yeah. execute a Thomas test or um, Faber test or anything like that. So yeah. when, when we could go through in terms of tangibles might be like, how many exercises do you think somebody should do per muscle group? Do you think it's exercises? Is it amount of yeah. repetitions? Is it sets? How would you go about discerning what somebody would do for a specific goal so i think it, it, it totally depends on uh, it varies 
people, uh, person to person, right? Like, um, yep, obviously. Yeah. Uh, training age, um, uh, outside the gym lifestyle. Give me an example. Just give me some person. Some person? Just who, who do you normally get? Let's see. Are we talking about volume wise? Like sure. Training? Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's say my client June. Okay. Right? So her, she works at a restaurant. So a lot of time on her, on her foot, walking up and down the stairs. Um, and her goal is to build her glutes up, right? So um, when I write her program, I need to take into consideration uh, how, how much volume she can tolerate um, and how well she recovers after each session. So that takes a few weeks in the beginning just to gauge. Um, and how are you gauging that? I think it's, it's, it's kind of subjective. Um, to, client to, feedback. To, yeah, yeah, client feedback. Um, constantly ask, hey, uh, check in on her, how, how are we doing? And also look at the numbers, her performance as well. Um, week, week on a weekly basis uh, to see if we still progressing if not uh and if she's not recovery uh, if she's not recovering then uh i know when to dial back and when to you know keep progressing so yeah okay uh so i would go let's say i had let's say i had person so like got i've got clients that i work with one-on-one and it's like if they're not recovering i might talk to them about recovery yeah um versus like if there was no change in our training volumes, like sure we're pushing up reps or something like that. Um, if they're if they're not recovering, they need to. Um, then we might adjust their training volume, right? Like if if I if we've talked to them, if they're not making a concerted effort outside the gym, then yeah, we need to adjust things in the gym, and that's I get what we have control over. My my first line uh, of attack though is going to be like, hey, if this is a real priority we need to actually like adjust things outside the gym, making sure that we're getting sleep, making sure that we're getting adequate nutrition though. That's what I'm going to attack first. But largely when you first get somebody, we're not going to push them to the point where it's like, they're not recovering from training, oh, yeah. right? Like this is going to happen over the length of, you know, a few training blocks or something like that. So, um, first thing I'll do is, um, get them set. And maybe it's like, We've got a few different exercises per muscle group, um, just to give it some different angles, uh, get tension applied in different ranges. And there's like what we talked about earlier in terms of like how we want something to move functionally. I look at it in terms of its strength curve. So we have shortened, mid and lengthened end ranges of all these muscles. I want to hit all of those. And now there might be ones that are better about going uh, full range challenge. Um, you might be able to use something to get more effectively through a full range, but there aren't a lot of exercises that allow you to go through an entire range of motion of a muscle with a dumbbell, right? So, um, especially, uh, muscles that are biarticular, meaning that they cross more than one joint. Um, so probably two, um, if they are crossing more joints, we need more exercises. 
Whereas like the deltoid, it's going to be a little bit easier because you're able to go from a more lengthened position, which would probably be about 20 degrees just off the side of your body up to 120 degrees. So if we're working through that full range, um, sure, we could do something that emphasizes the short and end range, like in terms of where the load comes on the heaviest. But if you're training it through that full range, you're getting its full excursion. Can you give an example of the, like, what would a lengthen and what would a shorten range? Yeah, yeah. A delta um, be? So, like, uh, well, the lengthen would be, like, where you're going to use the delt. Because um, the first 20 degrees of abduction of the shoulder are coming from your rotator cuff. So, like, if you were to move your arm from your side directly just off your ribs, just, like, towards the ceiling, yeah. that, but that first 20 degrees is coming from the rotator cuff. And then from then on that's going to be your deltoid and then you're going to get some movement from your scapula obviously but um your deltoid is largely the thing contributing to that that humeral abduction yeah right um so i'm picking exercises like if i was doing a bicep curl bicep curl is going to be a little bit different because like if i'm using a dumbbell i can't use a dumbbell because our bicep will go um up into shoulder flexion uh aid into shoulder flexion to some degree so probably somewhere around 90 degrees of shoulder flexion um so once i'm around there that that's going to be the like so if i've got my arm up towards the ceiling um once i go higher than that the bicep's not necessarily contributing to shoulder flexion so it's not likely the position that i want to train the bicep in so i'm gonna stop at 90 and then i'm gonna curl from there now a dumbbell doesn't really do so well in this position just given its resistance profile and where I would have to be. So like a cable would probably be the better way of attacking that. So I'm probably putting that in there. Also, like depending on what somebody else, like the high cable bicep curl or that shortened end range um, makes more sense for somebody also from like a shoulder health standpoint because we have to be able to like stabilize that position. And then we go into mid-range like your typical bicep curls, preacher curls, like anything where you're like in that mid-range. So we've got mid-range. We're likely to need less of the mid-range stuff, I feel, um, because a lot of the back work that we do in the mid-range utilizes the bicep. So I'm more more or less going to be leaning heavily on shortened end range uh, bicep and lengthened end range bicep and less of the mid-range bicep work. Um, Now, if it was a day where biceps were not touched because we didn't do rows and we wanted to drive some more output via the bicep then i might go preacher then i might go dumbbells or something like that so like this is kind of how i'm putting the program together yeah i want for something that's growing 10 sets per muscle group per week and then you want to assess if that's still working or not so like if i'm looking at somebody one of the hard numbers is like okay sure we're going up for 10 Somebody might grow and respond to something with less than 10 um, with a very young training age. So somebody who's like, I've never lifted before. They do like five or six of something and they could start growing. Um, But I would say largely once we're getting more well-trained, 10 or greater, and then you want to know if it's working. It's like if you're not getting stronger in the gym, then you probably need to introduce more sets. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's if everything's on point, like if I am hitting my diet, I am sleeping properly. I'm executing these exercises properly at a certain point, it might plateau. Like if your skill and execution is there, everything's there. 
and you're eating and all that stuff, but you're still not like getting stronger. Cause it's kind of hard to know. Like you could do measurements, but it's like, if you're accumulating any amount of body fat, like, uh, if getting an, a larger inch measurement doesn't necessarily mean that you're growing, you could be just getting fatter. Um, you want to know that you're getting stronger too. Mm-hmm. So like that would be like, there needs to be a performance increase. And if there's not, then we likely need to introduce more volume. So like, that would be how I would take, how I would tell somebody who's like, I'm not sure what I need to be doing. And it's like airy fairy, like how, how are you feeling? Blah, blah, blah. Like that would be hard and fast. Like how I would go about yeah. approaching it. So for clients who's coming in, um, with limited time and, uh, frequency how do you go about uh Body. yeah how do you yep. uh take into consideration about uh number of sets and you can still get 10 sets you're like so like here's the thing is like how many movements do you need to actually hit the full body mm. you don't need that many right like if i do a row i've got your i've got your I, if i do two row like you could train twice a week yeah i could do five sets of rows i don't need to do three sets everybody just prescribes two three Four, you can do five sets of an exercise, six sets of an exercise, and that be enough. It now, if you have more, if you have more time, uh, so if you have greater time, or you can work out at greater frequencies, then, um, or if you don't have much time, but you can work out at greater frequencies, you can spread it across a smaller workout. So I have forty-five minutes. Cool, I'm I'm doing that four days a week. Now I just need to fit all my exercise into that time. My next thing would be is like, all right, let's say you don't have that much time yeah. and you don't have that many days you can work out. Then yeah. your workouts have to be more dense, yeah. right? Like you have to build the capacity to build up a more dense workout. And when I say more dense, that just means in a shorter period of time, do- you need to get more work done. Yeah. And that means you don't get to do the three minute rest that most people do. Yeah. You get 60 because we have to get this done. And while you might be able to push two heavier sets the thing is is like overall you're pushing less volume like so let's say we took you had an hour and we gave you five exercises and you got two done every time it's like well dude we still missed 60 percent of the workout that that is missed opportunity i don't care how much more volume you drove on this one exercise if everything else is taking a hit so then it's like okay well I'm going to, I'm going to reduce the amount of volume in this exercise or like just for the, the short period of time, just because you're like needing to build that up. You, you like, you need to build up that density. That's as long as that improves over time, that's all that matters. Hmm. It doesn't matter that you pushed like 10 more pounds this workout or 20 more pounds this workout. What matters is, is like, I want to hit everything. And it's like, if you're cool with just your chest growing, because that's the only one that you give time to yeah. and you only work out twice a week then cool only expect your chest to grow but if you want everything to grow you have to be more dense you have to do a shorter rest period you've got to work faster you've got to get all your sets in you have less time but like there there are, you can't have it all right it's like true. if you don't have time and you um, want to max out your sets and you want to be stronger you you can't have both of those yeah. things something has to give right yeah you can't they just don't fit yeah. So it's like, okay, that's when we go about prioritizing. It's like, okay, do you want everything to grow? Yeah. Do you want everything to get more tone? Do you want, like, cool, you want everything? Then we can't rest as long. And it's like, okay, what if I do have the time to rest three minutes for every exercise that I do for the entire workout? Cool. 
you've got tons of time, great, do that because that would be the more optimal thing. And then we might look at intra-workout fueling because your workout is longer, you are draining more of those resources, right? Because what I can drain in an hour versus what I could drain in two hours is going to be different, right? Especially if I'm pushing more loads. Yeah. So those would be like things that I'm looking at as well. So uh, if somebody can only work out two days a week, you can still get to those volume landmarks. It's just how you're going about doing that. So are you going to be able to do 10 different sets of shortened, uh, like, are you going to get 10 bicep specific exercises? Maybe not. But if we're using compounds, we're using exercises that cross multiple muscle groups, you're going to be able to be like, okay, when I did my barbell row, I also got biceps. Yeah. I also got my uh, rear delt. I also got my mid trap, like whatever you were going to a- attack with that exercise. You got those two. Cool. All right. Now, um, now when I go to this other exercise, I do something similar. It's like, okay, well, this one still has biceps. So do I really need to use a ton of bicep specific work? Mm, no, not likely. Now, people that are like, I want my biceps specifically to grow, then it might be like, cool. Like if you have things where you're like, I need to shift priorities, like I love the way my back is growing. I love the way my chest is growing. I love the way my shoulders are growing, but it feels like my arms are lagging. Then maybe it's like, okay, put the the other exercises on maintenance. So you can, you, you can have a reduction in the total volume that you're using for those exercises, but then um, up your arm volume, like specific arm volume. Now, if you have the perfect program or if you have more time, then we can start to look at okay, now I, I have one for very each specific position I'm trying to get in. Yeah. But I don't think that that's, most people don't have that, right? Like most of our clients don't have copious amounts of time. Yeah. They're going to work out four or five days a week. Like some clients, they, some clients do, but like a lot of clients don't. And that's how you get it done. Yeah. It's, it's like you're picking priorities. Like everybody wants it all, yeah. but not everybody can have it all. Yeah. So it's like, then it's just about priorities. Yeah. Sick. Sick. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And like that, that would go. Yeah. So like what we just talked on rest periods. Like, so if I was building somebody's program, rest periods, most of the time on a larger compound movement, we're looking at somewhere between 90 to, you know, 90 seconds to, I'd say three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, depending on yeah depending on it, it could it could be more depending on what they're prioritizing like if you're going more for strength you're going to probably want to be upward to maybe five minutes yeah mm-hmm. three five minutes but for somebody who's like uh, i just want to grow and it's like well five minutes probably isn't necessary yeah we'd probably sit somewhere around like that two minute do you have an um, example with any of your clients that actually wait five minutes i'm mean <laughs> Huge seeing these guys. <laughs> yeah, but the guys are they're not right now. They're sitting around because they're just chatting. Yeah, right. Like bro. So, so um, they they just love being here, which is great, and I love that. Uh, but do they actually need to? Yeah. No. It's like somebody like Sergio might when we get him on like a very strength specific block. Yeah. I mean, dude did what four fifteen pause deficit deads today. Four or five. Yeah. Easy. I yeah. was there. It was, yeah, I saw it. Yes. Yeah. Like, 
Was he in the video? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Just like in the background, like that. Yeah, no. No, I was watching. He's always there. It was. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. He was like, "Why is the last set always the easiest?" Yeah. But yeah. I was yeah. talking to him. I was like, "Is that still warm up weight?" He was like, "Oh, that's last set." Yeah. I want to go. I was like, "Warm up weight." Yeah, yeah. Smooth. Yeah, we're trying to like. I mean, for some of it, it's like it's like. As he's as he's reintroducing some of these like strength things, we're like trying to actually manage. So the reason we're doing deficit and paused is so I manage how much weight is going on the bar. Yeah. So this is a volume management thing, not like a. I'm really specifically trying to build the skill there because the skill is there. Yeah. It's like I don't want weight flying on like right yeah. now. I do want I do want him to get stronger. Yeah. Uh, but I also want his tissue and the way that it's adapting to these loads to not be so overwhelmed that all of a sudden we're like, boom, oh, like something blows up on me. Yeah. Right. That we'll be accumulating too much fatigue. Yeah, dude. The yeah. thing is, a, like, the, the weight that he's moving, it, like, it could just be building an atom bomb and you don't just, like, kick that thing around. Yeah. It's like you want to manage that with care, right? <laughs> yeah. Does he ever feel his collarbone with the amount of pressure that she's kind of building up in his upper body and his lats? I don't think he feels it so much on... His like sumo deadlift, his pull. yeah, because it's more in his upper back there. Right, uh, he feels it more in his bench press because that has a direct attachment to his clavicle. Okay, which would be Makes more like sense. more more of the concern. Yeah. Um, but even then, it's like it's he's not like gonna break it with the amount of weight that he's doing. Yeah, but he's like I, I, we're we're out the gate there. Yeah, so right now it's just getting him reused to those positions and stuff like that. It's good to touch on um, back on the volume and intensity yeah. where we want to be able to see somebody perform over time, whatever it is that we're trying to work on. So if somebody's not progressing and let's say their recovery is good, yeah. could be better. Right? Yeah. I think everybody's recovery could be better. Right. And they're hitting some form of plateau. How do you approach it? Yeah. So I think it would, so it would depend on like what is limiting them. So like if we're like, if it's, if it's just adding a single rep, or is it um, every time I try to move up weight, right? Because that could just be a high motor, like motor unit threshold. Like we just need those higher yielding uh, motor units. So mm-hmm. then we might just need to go through like a strength block. Like you might need to do things like you've probably had clients, you know, they do something at a certain weight. And the moment they go heavier than that, it's like, boom, they lose like yeah. yep. all like They lost like five or they lose like five is six reps and you're yeah. like dude we only added five and sometimes you have right. five pounds <laughs> right but that is a that is a because they are closer to their one rep max and it's just like there yeah that it's a it's skill at that load but like if you've never trained that i and i would i would liken this to like if you see bodybuilders bodybuilders are strong and on paper when you see how much weight they're moving for how many reps they should be able to lift x Right, which is like a lot more weight. Theoretical max load? Right. Okay. Right. They can't because they don't train that. Yes. Except for the ones that do. Right. The power builders. Right. Yes. Right. So, yeah. So, like, if the, yeah, the motor unit recruitment isn't there because what it takes to lift, you know, something for 12 is not the same as what it takes to lift it for three. Yes. Right. And even though on paper, what you could lift for eight, like, let's say if I had, like, let's say I lifted, uh, 205 pounds for eight well i should very easily be able to lift you know 250 250 yeah then you go and do that and you're like 
what the fuck? Because you you don't and 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 here's the thing: is it looks soft because like guys that lift for twelve, you, there's like there's a breathing and there's a rhythm to it, and there's not you don't have to have like you need tension, but only so much to keep it on the muscle. You don't need the same amount because the bar is not like, hey, fuck your life, <laughs> right? When the bar is at, hey, fuck your life, weight things change like you need to get tighter you need to be ready to you're like it's fighting back now right it's not like walk in the park it's like hey fuck you dude yeah give me your money like you better break the floor stand up pick up that bar yeah Yeah. uh yeah so basically there's these people they're trying to produce so much more force than they're used to uh, that and that they're just hitting that threshold yeah uh and i I think some people they just don't know what it's like to like click on that section of their brain like for it's, you, it's, you you can like just flip on the switch and like know to go to that intensity. Yeah. Maybe it's been a while, but you like know. Yeah. You have it was like you you have yeah. access to that. Yeah. Like some people, they walk in the room, they're like, "Where's the light switch?" Yeah. yeah. Right. Like that's what it's like. Mm-hmm. If it, you don't know how to flip that on, that yeah. weight is not moving. It and it on even though on paper it's like they should be able to pick this up. It's like they can't. Yeah. It's like a single exercise when you when you move um, from load for twelve to fifteen reps is. It's uh, to like six to eight reps. That intensity. That's that's not a, a big range change. Yeah. But man, yeah. you have to be um uh cognitively adapt to to that. You got to be more mentally locked. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. I was gonna get your mind right. It's like <laughs> you you you, you got to take every like yeah. fucking motivational speaker yeah. brain download. Like, I was gonna say like this is people that take like uh what is it sniffing salts. Smelling salts, smelling salts, yeah. whatever it gets yeah. them, gets them, it bumps up their adrenaline. Or yeah. not that we're recommending that at all, but I would. And this is really silly. Have you ever seen the video of just somebody's mom smelling them? No, the <laughs> she smells it. She's like, oh my god! <laughs> I just hit my head against that wall. <laughs> and and that's when I'm like, oh, what? I want you to be like the mom that just smells smelling salts for the first time. Yeah, that wait. I'd liken it to like I don't know like so like there's so, I even like in like tug of war there's like some people that just like <laughs> <laughs> and you need to be like you yeah, need to be the guy yes. in the back like dying like everybody in the front's like <laughs> like you, you mean the one guy in the back they know the, the one guy in the back they know is the yeah. strong guy he's like dying like digging yeah. in his heels like oh I'm carrying this team like that guy yeah. you need to be that guy when you're trying to like lift heavy so it's like yeah. literally like, it's like. I, I don't know how I don't know how to really explain that, but it's like just like there's like okay, I gotta squeeze this much. Yeah. And now I have to squeeze this much. Yeah. Yeah. Like like it just you have to be able to take that up to another level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people know what that level yeah. is. Too uncomfortable for them. Yeah. yeah. Like they're like, oh, it feels like something's gonna burst or something something's gonna, gonna pop. There's yeah. more tension. You are <laughs> your blood pressure probably goes way the yeah. fuck up when you're doing that shit intentionally. The whole system needs to create more tension to yeah. lift this weight. Yeah, people. I, I, a lot of clients when it's um, got a fart. I, I, yep. <laughs> oh my! I've seen a lot of um, um, clients doing the dumbbell and press. Yeah. Man, when you put them in that zone and that panic zone, every, everything starts moving. Yeah. Legs, hands. I no, you can't. <laughs> and then like we dude, need to do the app. We need to do the opposite <laughs> of that. We need yeah. to batten down the hatches. Yes. It's you. No, no hands outside of the vehicle. Yes. Yeah. Stay the fuck in here. Start swinging. I'm like, yeah. dude, you gotta stay calm. If it fails, let it down gently. Don't yeah. start swinging. And that weight will fall. Yeah. Because they want to do everything. <laughs> they want to do everything to get that weight up. Besides, create the tension in the right spots. Yeah. So like, they'll lift their butt. They'll kick their foot out. They'll yeah. like, 
shrug a shoulder and I'm like, don't do that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. I think it's harder because that's where they, they, they get into a panic mode. Right. Like, and they also want to, they also yeah. want to finish the lift. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's like by all means necessary. <laughs> it's like, it is that, yeah. it is that, but the one constraint is you have to stay in the right position. Yes, 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 yes. I feel like a session is either going to come down to two things. Like either you're going to have an aha moment, like, oh man, this makes so much more sense now. I've learned this. Or, oh shit. Like I'm lifting this weight and I'm probably going to die after this. Right. Yeah. I, I always think it's kind of silly when somebody says, well, you know, you, you know, when you, when you weight lift, you, you know, heart rate doesn't really go up that high. You ever try to lift a 315 pound deadlift it, the first time? Like it can, yeah, it, it can, can. It can feel like your chest is going to explode. Also, it's like, okay, so I have, I have clients who like they do their, they get biometric feedback during their workout. They're wearing wearables. Mm-hmm. And like ones will be like, dude, my heart rate isn't that high, but it like, it feels like it's coming out of my chest. I was like, dude, it's beating harder. It's yeah. not beating faster. Sometimes it is beating faster. Yeah. And I have noticed a lot of the times with clients that tend to get more anxious when they're lifting weights, they will have an accelerated heart rate. Now, it, that is going to drive more fatigue during the exercise. Largely, we don't need a highly accelerated heart rate for weightlifting. It yeah. can happen. That is not the imposed adaptation to weight training. Yeah. But like, can it strengthen the heart? Sure. Uh, is it the best thing to do it? Not likely. Yeah. But like, uh, it's it's better than it's better than not doing anything. Yeah. Who is that strongman that? And this is a very extreme example, so don't take this into consideration, obviously. But like, he was a competitor. He's got like the mohawk, and he's oh, like, out. I have I no idea. Yeah. Eddie Hall. Yeah, yeah. And he he lift. He did a lift. Strongman. And, yeah, he did a lift. He's deadlift. Eddie like Hall. a thousand okay. pounds. He went in the back, and for some reason, his heart rate went up to 200-something, and it wouldn't come back down mm. for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Was, sorry, this is what I, I mean, my head too. went to. That's, yeah. I don't know. Extreme when, case. When you're, I, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily, qual- like, there's a, there's a lot of things going on there. Yeah, including, of course. Like, including drug use. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, like, yes. This is a totally different. Different. I'm not even going to speculate. Yeah. No. But. We'll leave it there. Put it right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> or we're good. Do you, um, do you like, before a hard set, what do you, what, what? Before a hard set? Yeah, personal, personally, what do you do? What do I do before a hard set? Do you, how do you, how do you, what kind of mindset do you get into? into because I know a lot of people, you get too hyped up, like, too mentally aroused. Yeah, I uh, do that. You do that? You, you just yeah, do it, because it has to, to amp you up. Like you talking like about, to, yeah, I try to stay you calm. have internal rage, you just use that. <laughs> Whatever it is. I'm not even, like, trying to build anything up, because, like, dude, like, the more... The more you rely on being yes. excited, the more the absence of that is going to fuck with your lift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I Did want to be unfuckwithable. Yes. So like, so like, Canada says that. Yeah. Right. That's all I want is like, so like, so it can, no fans, no lights, just me and my will to be a champion. That's yeah. it. It's like <laughs> fucking, yeah. this is it. And then it's like, I get it or I don't. And it's, it's skill. It's like, it's deliberate practice. I'm not lifting for ego these days. It's like, yeah. Deliberate practice. I'm lifting this. I could have no music on. I'd be that fucking psycho in the gym. I'm just trying to lift it because yeah. I just want to get better at this. And I'm not like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's like, because I'm, I'm put, like, I'm not making crazy leaps. I'm like, I'm not going from like, oh, I'm, I was using, you know, this much weight th- this week and now I'm going to go up. 30 pounds jump. Right. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not yeah. doing that. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, maybe there was a time when I was younger, but now it's like, no. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? 
no, as try to say calm as calm as possible because if I get too mentally aroused, I'm gonna miss reps. That's why I listen to slow music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the guy that puts on the Dell in the gym. Uh, true. I just, uh, you've seen me. I've I've trained with you, and we've had nothing on, or we're all three together at RCF, and we've had really nothing playing, and we're just kind of kicking it, and I just lift. Yeah, there's those times too when I'm by myself, and I'm just. I put on loud music to where I can't hear anybody around yeah. me. I could probably get killed. Nobody would ever know. And that just, I don't know, it just distracts me. And I just. There are, there, yeah. I, I like that for some, like, I'll, I'll do that for some hard, or maybe I have some angsty works out, workouts. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I got, like, some little emotions I'm trying to burn off, yeah. you know, put on some DMX and shit. But. Uh, training partner is a different story, though. Yeah. I always have a good workout with training partner. Yeah. You know that you listen to Adele during your set. You were listen to DK. What, what is it? DMX. 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 It'll, okay. it'll, it'll, it'll definitely vary. I don't listen to the same thing every time. <laughs> I, wish I can find some good country and you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't normally listen to country either, but like sometimes I'll just be fucking with it. <laughs> oh, Black Long Train, whatever it is. Oh my. Zayden oh, Wolf when you were here early, you know? Oh, dude, that came out earlier and I was like, this, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> I didn't think it. It wasn't right. me. Uh, Dude, most of my most of my music these days is like video game soundtracks. This, there's no words. Yeah, this episode definitely could have gone probably much longer. We've got so so far we we covered sets. Uh, we covered like total sets. You know, we could talk about repetitions. We'll go next time. We'll just go just in on that, like just building the ground layers for like okay, maybe not specific to any one client, but it's like hey, perfect world scenario. Mm. Here's what we would do. Now, is this what we would recommend for everybody all the time? Likely not, because with our clients who come in here, different scenario, we talked about exercise selection, all that stuff. But I think in the next one, we talk about, hey, how many sets a week do we want somebody doing? How much rest? How much um, do we want them focusing on, you know, progressing a week? Um, or maybe we talk about something totally different. Yeah. yeah. Also, about- still not long spoop. <laughs> Should we talk about MEV, like... Yeah, MEV and MRV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Alright, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for being here, boys. Oh yeah. Good times. uh, We'll catch you on the next one. Peace.